What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Lab Audio Inventory. Question for this week is you have limited time with an athlete. How do you prioritize what you choose to do with that time? Probably keep the discussion to twice a week or less, which in our context means about two hours or one hour quite often. All right, so I think you have to look at what type of athlete you're working with, and I think Matt and I talked about this a little bit beforehand, but go with the sport, are they female or male, uh, what's their training experience, things like that, and I think then you can start to pare down maybe what you what you do. Do you guys have, uh, where, where would you guys start, I guess? I think training experience is like one of the bigger ones, because you got to look like what's their main goal? You know, if, if training age is really low, it almost simplifies itself and uh, you don't need to be complex with the time you have. You just keep it simple and get the work done. Yeah, I think pretty much always I'm gonna have sprinting in a program if they're doing any kind of sprinting in their sport. And so with someone who's inexperienced, that could start off with as simple as marching drills on the wall, um, talking about posture, doing resisted runs and covering pushing and concepts like that. Someone more advanced, that's gonna be something different. But that concept, of speed work and sprinting is pretty much always in there. Lower body strength pretty much always is a squat. That might be a goblet squat with a young kid or somebody's more advanced, it might be on the K-box, something more eccentrically loaded. But pretty much always squatting and sprinting are in my programs. Yeah, you said the, the marching drills. I, I don't usually go with that as much, but um, I think sometimes I can do it like paired between like a sprint drill or something like that. But a lot of the time I'll make it just sprinting and then kind of see where they're at, where uh, Mike says this sometimes, like do the uh, self-exploration in a lot of learning of the time, or learning a lot of time. And then the other thing is the squatting, I think is, I mean, that's the most bang for your buck exercise with a lot of beginners, I think, make a lot of strength gains just doing that. Almost, I mean, I do that sometimes just, if I have twice a week, I'll squat with them twice a week. That'll be my main lower body multi-joint exercise. I don't know, do you guys put lunges in sometimes or? It depends. So after a little while, maybe if you're training this person limited amount of time per week, but over the course of, you know, a few months, um, if squats are doing really well, you might be able to get to a point where you can load them enough on one day that uh, day two, if say you have them two days, is, uh, is some variation. So um, semi-unilateral, like a split squat or something like that. Um, or, you know, whatever else, even introducing some Olympic lifting. If you have two days, like you can you get to a certain standard, you can start to add some variation, you know, uh, since you have the time. Um, but it's, if you have one day a week, you know, that uh, could still happen, but it's going to take longer, basically, you know. Even if I can find time to get two sets of a unilateral or a kind of semi-unilateral exercise mm -hmm. in, I find that valuable. There's plenty of reasons why you can yeah. support that. But especially if it's two days a week, I think it's pretty easy to find that time just to get two sets in towards the end of a workout. Even if it's one day a week, potentially rotating exercises. So on one phase, we're putting more of an emphasis on the actual squat, and then later maybe it moves to a step up, something that we can still treat as, treat as a strength stimulus on that one day a week, but also be hitting on unilateral strength, at least at one point within a training cycle yeah. or a training year. Yeah, I think in my cases, I have a lot of younger younger athletes with almost no training experience. So for me, I feel like, or I've, I'm familiar with the research in that, just getting max strength, you'll raise all of their physical capacities, you know, just work on squat and get their squat really high if they're 
a 13 year old girl or a 14 year old girl. And I'm not talking half squatting 300 pounds, but I think good quality squats, barbell, or yeah, like you said, start with a kettlebell or dumbbell. And then I've seen really, really impressive improvements. I think a lot of that could be development, just that they're, they're maturing. Um, but then you're pairing that with, you know, uh, some sort of strength work where the nervous system is adapting, they're getting more coordinated, and then they can hit the ground harder in spring and stuff like that. I also, like you said earlier with the spring, I always make sure that, or I try to make sure I check that box too. Like, you know, do you sprint? Okay, in your sport, we're gonna sprint. And then is max strength a benefit for you? Yeah, I'm probably gonna do a squat and a sprint right away to get yeah. in a lot of them, to load them quite a bit. I mean, the next thing I look for if I have time, we're talking about strength, is to get an upper body strength exercise in. Mm -hmm. And no question for me, pull-ups are the best bang for your buck there. Something like if we're gonna get to pressing, a push-up is gonna be a little bit more economic than a bench press, just because you're gonna get a core load with it as well. But pull-ups are gonna be the top priority for me when it's gonna be coming between the two of them. Sure, I like to get obviously upper body strength, no matter if it's primarily lower body athlete, same thing, I like to throw in the upper body, but sometimes when I'm looking for a pulling motion, uh, especially with more inexperienced athletes, um, I'll, I'll go with a ring row before I do a pull-up, just because I think when you when you have someone who can't do pull-ups very well and you put them on a band or something like that, I don't think that's the best option to develop strength, although it is maybe the most logistically uh, simple to start into pull-ups. Uh, it's kind of a separate discussion on strength right there, but um, ring row is really nice, overhead presses, um, you know, if, if shoulders allow, things like that. Um, and the other thing to bring up, I think, is what about like plyometrics? What, how, oh, yeah. how do these take priority? I know kind of my answer, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally like to use uh, Jim Radcliffe's progression a lot of the time with younger athletes. Not even younger athletes, I think most athletes, it builds a good base of athleticism. The, the progression, if, if you viewers aren't familiar with it, it has uh, movement-based plyos, so where you're doing jumping from one foot to the other, or two-footed contacts and you're alternating which foot is hitting the ground, and then it's a pretty smooth progression. Um, and then there's lateral plyos, there's the bilateral plyos with squat jumps and stuff like that, so I'll use those. But I almost, just to, for time, I will, instead of teaching an Olympic lift, especially with, like I said, a lot of my clients, I'll pair it where I'll go squat, maybe rocket jump, squat, rocket jump, squat, rocket jump, and then progressing it forward. I really won't progress up the volume too much within those, but I'll progress to, different exercises that are inherently more intense. Sure. So I don't, like I might go rocket jump to uh, butt kick jump. And then from there I might go to knee tuck jump or something like that. And that might take the place over six to eight weeks if I only see them two days a week, just to seeing on how their contacts are and stuff like that. I don't know where you stand on Well, that. a lot of times, just in general, if I'm gonna be on any time type ske tight schedule, but quite often, even if I have more time just to be able to fit things in, I do this, I'll put things in some sort of a cluster. So that can be plyos paired with sprinting in the same segment. So um, stiffness jumps, 60 second rests, and then into the Excel rep there. So it can be a way that when you maybe would just have been typically resting before your sprints, you can get a little bit of work there and potentially get some post-activation potentiation going on. Same thing would then go for if I am on a tight schedule doing Olympic lifts, uh, particularly if it's someone learning, the Olympic lift isn't much of a stimulus yet. It's, it's skill oriented. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's as simple as doing box jumps in between. So there's something that they can actually put a much more force into and get a training stimulus there while they would be resting between the power clean sets. So yeah. all the times I'll use plyos kind of integrated with other exercises around them. Yeah, I got kind of two things based off of that that are real similar. Um, 
putting him in with, putting him in with sprinting. If you have a sport that is, um, you know, somewhat unpredictable or a lot of change of direction and uh, straight ahead sprinting isn't always super similar to the sport. Um, I like to add some small jumps into a sprint. So it might be just cap pops, stiffness jumps into a acceleration, 10, 15 meters. Uh, it might be some skater jumps side to side or even a couple broad jumps rhythmically forward. Um, you get some plyometric volume there and you can sprint out of it. So it just gives you a different, different contact to try to be fast out of, which in field sport happens a lot. You know, it's not, uh, not exactly similar, but it's, it's getting in that direction. Um, and the other thing going off of your second point is um, pairing up plyometrics or explosive med ball throws or something like that with something that's still developing. I think that's really key when with younger athletes. Um, you know, even if the squat isn't that heavy because their squat isn't that good yet, um, you can get volume there, but that's a good opportunity to pair it with something explosive because the squat's not taking enough out of them where the explosive effort isn't productive. So um, you can do that, get your squat pattern in, and then do something explosive, uh, go back and forth, or even you know add an upper body in there too, a little little circuit-based thing. So like. Well, like we said in the beginning, it goes back to the training history. Um, a lot of this is we're talking about younger athletes, less experienced. Um, now, the more experienced your athletes are that you get, oftentimes the more they're willing to train or the more they can train. But maybe we talk for a second about the context of a more experienced athlete still having short amount of time with them here. Well, even often in season, um, high-level teams or high-level athletes will have this setup where the strength coach has two sessions a week and maybe they're not even an hour, maybe you have 30, 45 minutes to warm up and have a session. So I don't think this is uncommon at all, even at higher levels. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think the team, if it's a team sports setting or it really doesn't matter, just any college sports setting, usually you're, you have the sport in there that you're gonna get some sort of physio, like loading or stimuli, or stimulus, sorry, some physiological stimulus uh, or overload. But the biggest thing is, are they adapting ultimately when you're looking at these time constraints or time crunches, you have to give them a stimulus that they can adapt to. And a lot of the time, if they only come in for 35, 40 minutes, and maybe they're, they're not doing anything on the field or anything, you know, if they're a swimmer in the pool uh, or basketball court or, what, or wherever they are, I just, I kind of bury them a little bit. I don't know about you guys, but you can afford to <clears throat> like use that window to, to bury them a little bit, you know, overstress them, put, put a really intense session, something that's safe, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, they basically taking off for, you know, whatever, three days before they come back in. So they should recover by the time that they come back in. Yeah. My preferred way to do that is going to be density training. Yeah. So um, like a 10 by three on the minute for squats. So you're taking roughly 10 seconds or less for a set of three. So you're looking at 50 seconds between sets. And we just had a study going on, or kind of just wrapping up now at Athletic Lab about this, looking at that protocol compared to others, but the velocity drop-offs are pretty close to zero. And even in a more extreme example, I've done as much, I think it was 22 sets of two power cleans at 70% on 90 second rest, and my fastest reps were 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Wow. So right when you would expect the most fatigue is in place, you get into this rhythm um, as you go throughout that. And a lot of times having those short sets keeps focus. It keeps a group very diligent. If you got three people on a rack, you can pretty much move. One athlete does a triple, quickly adjust rate weights if needed, second athlete, third athlete, and then you're back to number one. So especially if you're, whether you're 
per constraint of equipment, which isn't a little isn't exactly what we're talking about today, but it definitely happens with yeah. team settings. It can be a way to efficiently get a lot of work done in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, that I like. I really like the density training. I actually take that almost a step further sometimes when I um, when I employ that uh, to get some other work in upper body or or something else with it. So. Um, whether it's squat, power clean, or something like that, um, sometimes set that up as like say ten sets of two, and then uh, almost in a wheel where that's the center, and then every time we do a set of squat, we go off to another exercise, come back to squat. Yeah. Go off to a separate number two exercise, come back to squat. Go off to number three exercise, and we just keep going around that that wheel until effectively we get twelve sets of squat and maybe four sets of three other exercises. So um, keeps you moving the whole time. You're basically non-stop you're getting a lot of squat you can keep high effort because your other ones might be upper body or yeah. um, accessory leg or something like that where it's not going to affect the squat too much um, and uh, you can put it on time if you want where you can just move through it depends on the load that you're putting on them even if we are talking about like a squat in general even when i do have time i pretty rarely nowadays have squat truly on its own mm -hmm. almost always have something yeah, with it almost I'm, always an upper body at least or a core i've done it a couple times but only when i want a really high quality squat yeah. session or if the athlete's really pushing for it if they're like i want to squat heavy today or i want to do something like that i might exclusively do that but a lot of the time i'll pair it yeah with a pull-up really outside of something like that outside of testing i really find it's pretty rare that i that aggressively load especially with the low low amount of time spent with them like yeah. two two sessions or less a week i think for me it's less because just i have less time with them even athletes i've had for a lot of time i feel comfortable putting that weight as a stimulus on them, I don't have control over the other, however many hours they get through the week with their coach, yeah. or if they have, you know, uh, practice coming up later that day. I don't know if that's going to be a low intensity or a high. And a lot of times, the like, sport coach doesn't even necessarily know that, so it's hard to anticipate what else is going on. So I'll usually be a little bit safer on those. Yeah, I think too. Ultimately, we're looking at outcomes here. So, I mean, what what type of uh, outcomes have you guys seen? working with athletes two times a week for an hour or something like that. Have you guys seen big performance jumps? Because in my experience, I have, but yeah. like I said, I, I, this is the first time I've worked with them two hours a week. Yeah. I've seen big jumps because they're, they're younger. Than right, you can get good gains uh, if you set it up well, if you're efficient, and if you cover all your bases. So if you, if you leave things out of it, if you don't prioritize, then you know, you, you'll have holes in your, your performance, same as you have holes in your training. Uh, so I think the biggest thing is what I try to do if I have um, just two or less sessions a week is check all the boxes. So, um, you know, good solid warm up, get a couple coordination drills in for speed work, do a couple sprints, do some type of jumping, whether it's low level, high level, whatever, um, and then get all your get all your strength work in um, and make sure we hit each each piece of the strength that you want, um, push, pull squat hinge all that stuff so if you can do all that stuff within the same uh within the same session you're gonna you're gonna see gains for sure yeah do you want to elaborate maybe on yeah that? one good example would be a baseball athlete i've worked with this year and um we change depending on the time of year what we're focusing on so when we were really focusing on upper body strength i did include bench press with him even though we kind of talked about that's not always the most efficient for him having a big upper body strength stimulus was going to be important we were still having pull-ups involved there. That's probably more specific, you could argue, um, for a throwing athlete. But I wanted that in there. So that's another example that you talked about. You had to consider the athlete and the scenario. So more often than not, I use push-up. But for him at this time of year, I felt it was appropriate to use bench press. 
over four weeks, we put about 10 pounds on his bench press then. Um, so from high 190 to I think 209, it's in kilos, so the conversion yeah, of pounds yeah. is a little bit messy. Uh, once we were focusing on eccentric strength with K-Box, uh, then you're looking at depth jumps, more true eccentric work. Four weeks of training from test to retest, approach vertical from 29 to 33 inches. So there's no question that on, tw on two weeks you can do, or not two weeks, twice a week, you can do work. Yeah. Um, but you may have to arrange it a little differently than initial instinct might. might. It's all about prioritizing yeah. for the outcomes that you want. Just like you were saying, pick your goals, pick the most important goals, mm -hmm. and prioritize, prioritize based on that. Yeah, I mean, in my experience two days a week, I was able to get a girl, came in squatting just a 15 pound dumbbell, and now she's up to, she did 77 pounds for sets of three on density, which is, I mean, you know, doing multiple sets of three, it wasn't like, well, one set, it just triples or a heavy triple or something like that. I don't think that would be appropriate at her age, but to get that coordination, to get her used to a, you know, full squatting with weight on her back, I mean, that was probably six weeks and her yeah. squat went up that much, so. Knowing the athlete I mentioned and the one you mentioned, I think something that's important is to the athlete's role in this and how they actually get after it. Yeah. Because if you're talking two hours Definitely. a week, you gotta use that time. Yeah. Um, and so from a coaching standpoint, that's something that I find is pretty individual on how is the best way to actually drive that intent. Um, we use a lot of times whether it's gonna be things like the push bands to actually show how fast you were moving on that set. All right, that set was slower than your last one. Try to pick it up on this next one here. Putting out timing gates at arbitrary distances to actually show that what's going on there. Partly it's for us to know what's going on, but also it can drive the intent of the athlete. Some don't care about that and it's a competitive thing. Having a training partner in there with them that they don't like to lose to. But having that intent throughout those sessions is gonna be even more important if you're training less. Both yeah. the athletes we mentioned are prime examples of this because they get after it. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you like this, you can rate us, you can share this with your friends. And if you have a question, go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, anywhere you can find us. Drop us a DM and we'll try to answer it when we can.